can be seated tonight. Amen. Think about it. If you could be any superhero, any superhero, what would you be? Think about that for just a second. Praise God. A superhero. Amen. That's what we want to become, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But uh, listen to this. After the death of Israel's 11th judge, now we've been talking about the judges. Last week, of course, we talked about Gideon and his challenge and how he rose to the challenge by obeying God's word and not being afraid to admit his, um, his weaknesses. And we left off with him, um, of course, uh, as he was uh, making the fleeces. You know, he just wanted to make sure that, that you know, God, I'm, you're sure I'm the one. And then, you know, he was in for the idea that he thought um, when he did the recruitment, he got over 30-some thousand people. And then God, uh, again, told him, he just said, listen, if ever anybody who's fearful really doesn't want to go to the battle, let them go home. And, of course, 22,000 left. And then they had the water test where was he let him down to the water purposely. That's what God had him do. And, of course, the ones that were down on their knees and, and, and drinking the water head first into the water, they were the ones that were eliminated also. And he had the ones that would grab that water up out of their hands and just lap it out. And, of course, they were observant. And, of course, he figured maybe at least half of them, but no, it was only 300. But with 300 people, God... Um, gave the nation of Israel a tremendous victory, didn't he? He did. And, and again, all the way through that, all the way through that, what we see is one of the prime um, uh, ingredients is the fact that they learned how to be instructed. They learned how to take obedience. And that is a key to that in Jesus' name. And so we see with 300 obedient men and, um, and the instruction of the Lord, that they didn't even have to they didn't even have to kill the enemy the enemy killed themselves and so think about that story i think it's a good one for us to reminisce from time to time because there might be segments of that that you see in your own life that god would have you to go through okay so tonight we're going to talk about another judge his name is samson and of course this is kind of the opposite end here samson um in his arrogance and in his um determination to do what he wanted to do made lots of mistakes and things of that nature but there was no question about it that the spirit of the lord did come on him and we saw that and that type of thing uh, let me continue to re read here after the death of israel's 11th judge abdon whose leadership was relatively uneventful that's in judges 12 israel fell into the habitual and, and, and the cycle again, pattern of sin. And finally, after they had been under the dom, domination of the Philistines, now this is another enemy that rose up for 40 years, God promised Israel an, a, another judge. So again, you see the cycle. An angel announced Samson's birth to his parents, and Samson's parents were infertile and had no children. The angel informed them Samson would be a Nazarite. Everybody say Nazarite. Some people think he was a Nazarene, and he was not. He was a Nazarite. It says, from birth, which meant that his hair would remain uncut and that he would drink not drink alcohol or, or, drink, or eat other foods forbidden by the law. And the angel told them Samson would begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And you can read this for yourself in... Um, 
uh, in, the, in the book of Judges, chapter number 13, like I said, I hope that you're taking the opportunity to go through that book. It really does have a lot of um, uh, tremendous significance um, uh, to us, not so much in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm in Jesus' name. And so despite the great hope surrounding Samson and his great strength, Samson's behavior dashed Israel's hopes repetitively. And that's what I was talking about. It was his arrogance that actually kind of got him into trouble. Um, and, and you can see that in that story. And it's just, uh, you just wonder sometimes, but that's just how it works. You know, and God doesn't, doesn't um, uh, remit these kind of things in the scriptures so that you and I can learn from them. Praise God. And so we see that, and we're going to take a look at that maybe a little bit deeper here in just a few minutes. But the bottom line is, you know, Samson in his great strength, um, we kind of have a tendency to, to look at Samson kind of as a superhero type. And um, I don't know if that's really what he looked like or not, to be honest with you. I really don't. Uh, the scripture doesn't indicate us that he looked like Charles Atlas or anything like that. Um, it does tell us that when the spirit of the Lord would come upon him, that he would have supernatural strength. And so I'm not, I'm not saying that that isn't the case, but we sometimes wonder. So back to this superhero thing. If you could become a superhero, what, who would it be? Who, who would, would you be? I don't either. No, I'm just kidding. But um, some, you've never had any desire to be a superhero. Yeah, there. Now that's a good one. I that one. You, yeah, I don't want to be seen. Yes, walk through life, nobody sees you. That's good. I like that. How about over here? Anybody? You got any any inkling to be a superhero? Nobody wants to be Superman. The Bionic Woman. Was there such a thing? Was there? Wonder Woman. Okay, same thing, isn't it? No, probably a different thing. Wonder Woman. How about how about you, Robert? You ever want to be a superhero? That's okay. That's all right. I'm just asking. Just asking. I didn't think. I thought we'd have a hundred of you. Everybody. <laughs> oh, man, I want to be this one. I'm going to be that. How about you guys? Superman. Yes. I got a pair of Clark, Clint, or Clark Kent glasses up here. I'd sell you for about $500. These are all that. I was kidding. I was just waiting for that one. I was really waiting for that. So Superman. Anybody else? You want to be a superhero, okay? Superhero? Captain America. And you even got the t-shirt, don't you? No, I'm just kidding. But wow, Captain America. How about somebody over here? You want to be a superhero? You don't want to be, huh? Don't want that responsibility, huh? Yeah. You'd like to fly? Okay, well, that's, that's good. Yeah. How about you, Sister Carnahan? Would you like to be a superhero? Mar Bell. Mar Bell. Yeah. Who's Mar Bell? The woman who saved the Avengers. Well, of course. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my goodness, I should have had that one written on the back of my hand somewhere. But that, that's good. Anybody here want to be a superhero? Evil Knievel? That's what you want to be, isn't it? He wasn't a superhero. Yeah, he broke every bone in his body. Yeah, he wasn't very super. Yeah, he wasn't very intelligent either. Okay, over here, there's got to be a superhero that you guys like. Aquaman. Aquaman. You'd like to go into the sea, huh? 
That wouldn't be too bad. That'd be so cool. Okay, one or two more. Anybody? Superheroes. Mr. Is that a actual? Okay, I believe you. It's a okay. You ask and you proceed. Okay. Now let's not get in any fights over our superheroes here. Okay. My goodness, that wasn't the intention. Praise God. William, do you got a superhero you want to be? Well, good for you. See, that was the answer I was looking for. Yes, yes. I know, but I'm just tricking you. I like the invisible man. I like that one. That one really is good. I'd like to become invisible sometimes, too. I really would. But really, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's the superhero as far as I'm concerned. And so sometimes we, we have this idea that that's what God is going to do for us, you know. Yes. I know, but we can be like Jesus. That's scripture. Oh, I know. Yes. Yeah, I really did, didn't I? <laughs> well, nevertheless, this is what a lot of people look at Samson as. They think that he was a superhero, and I just don't, I don't know if that's the case. I, again, I think that in the Old Testament, along with sometimes in the New Testament, sometimes things happened and... and um, and we have a tendency to bring Hollywood on board. And we have a tendency to think, well, that's how it happened, and, and so on and so forth, when that really isn't the case. It's God that, that, that can give us the strength and he can give us the power in Jesus' name. Tonight's um, situation, or I should say our story that we're going to be talking about um, here, uh, you can look at Judges chapter 13 through 16, those three chapters We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, and I'm not going to go through them word for word, but it's, it's, it's a good story. Again, God raises up someone who can, um, uh, who can deliver the children of Israel, and, um, and, and that's what he did. Do you have that video downloaded, Sister Carnahan? Okay, why don't we go ahead and play that now? Can we do that? 3.3. 3.3. Yes. What did Samson look like? I think as a baby, he was born with a lot of dark hair and it was wild. It was just sticking out all over the place. His mother could not even keep it down with water. And then as he got into the teenage stage, his hair was like maybe down to his shoulders, wavy, dark, looked really good. He wore animal skins from the animals that he had killed. But then when he revealed his secret of his strength to Delilah and his hair was shaved off, his eyes were gorged out, he looked horrible. But while he was in prison, that hair started growing again, first like baby fuzz, but then it got kind of like Einstein. It was out there and curly and wild looking and he had a long beard that was just wild looking as well. But at that time, he was able to complete the mission that God had directed him to do by killing all of the Philistines. I think Samson looked very average, but I do think he was good looking. I think that Samson looked like an average ancient Middle Near Eastern man with long hair. I think Samson looked like a cross between Rambo and Tarzan. Well, my husband's really handsome, so I think he looked like my husband, but with more hair. 
Wow. Wasn't expecting that. Well, there you go. You got different renditions of what people think that Samson looked like. You know, it really doesn't matter um, uh, too much as far as I'm concerned. I think his story is the thing that we really have to take a close look at, not, not so much what he looked like, you know. And as I told you before, you can, you can read this. Let me begin reading in, uh, in chapter number 13 of Judges, and let me show you what I'm talking about here. Okay, the scripture says, again, this was a promise that this woman who had not had children before was going to have a son. And, of course, this was something that God um, uh, predicted, and it came to, tr- came to pass. In verse 24, it says, And the woman bare a son, called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. I think this is an, an important thing for us to realize in Samson's life at the beginning, that there was a blessing of God upon him. You know, exactly what that looked like, I don't know. I think verse 25 can give us some indication of that. And look what it says. It says, and the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times. The word uh, means to literally inspire him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eschatol. And so we see that as a young child, you know, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And of course, his mother and father were instructed that he was going to be a Nazarite. Okay, and remember what that meant? That meant there were certain things that he was going to do. Now, again, um, I think we have to be careful with the idea that everybody did this. No, no, it was just a calling that God put upon his life, praise God. Does anybody know what, what were the, um, the aspects of a Nazarite? What were some of the things that God demanded from them over here? What was it? Okay, no wine or no strong drink. That was one thing. Yeah, the fruit of the vine, yes. What was that? That's right. He wasn't to cut his hair, was he? And I think there was something else. There was one other one that in particular. What was that? Yes, yeah, yeah, that was true. But there was, I think, one other. It wasn't to touch any dead thing either. I think that's what another one of the things were. But nevertheless, that was, that was the calling that God put upon his life. And it depended upon obedience, you know. I look at similar things like that in our apostolic faith today that God puts upon us, you know. And sometimes the world will look at us and and think we're kind of freakish or we're Jesus freaks and that type of thing. But I think what we have to uh, learn to do is go back to the idea, has God called me to do that? Has God called me to be that way? Has God separated me to that point? Now you think about that, because I think it's very, very important, praise God, if, if we want to maintain the blessings of God. Now, not that we're working our way to heaven, but you must understand, you know, uh, the scripture teaches us in the New Testament that if any person be in Christ, they're a what? Yeah, brand new creature. So what does that mean? That means brand new principles. That means brand new purpose. That means just everything in life becomes brand new. And one of the things that I see about Christianity today, and I'm not, again, trying to be critical, I'm just being observant, is that Christianity is constantly trying to fit the world into what God wants us to do. And boy, do we struggle with that. I mean, literally, that's what we struggle with a lot of times, is we're trying to put the world, or we're trying to be fairly worldly, if I can put it that way, but still be a Christian. And that's the popular Christianity today. It really is. 
And what I would like you to consider doing tonight is, is consider that in your own life and some of the maybe struggles that you've had trying to do that. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to criticize people. I, I want to learn from my mistakes. And I have learned, you know, the more separated I can be unto the Lord, the whole lot more peaceful my life is. Can anybody say amen to that? And so we must consider that, praise God. When we look at Samson, that's one of the first things that we do. But one of the issues that Samson had kind of an ongoing issue in his life was that with the opposite sex. He had a problem with women, you know. And, I, you know, I don't see any God calling in this, but, I, you know, again, this is what he did, and, and it could have been because of, of some of the things that happened to him, whatever. I mean, uh, but nevertheless... You know, um, I think there from, from time to time, I think Samson is a lot like we are. I think he forgot what his real true calling was. And that's what I think sometimes trying to mix the world in with Christianity does to us. Is that sometimes we really forget, why did God save me? Why did God, you know, help me to repent? You know, when I had no idea what that was. You know, he led me to that. He helped me to understand that there were things in my life that needed to be changed and that type of thing. And then he allowed me to get baptized in Jesus' name, just like, you know, Samuel and Stacy Sunday morning. Wasn't that beautiful? Yes. Praise God. That, that, that is an absolute monumental thing. Praise God. And then he fills me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? You know, and sometimes we just feel like, well, yeah, that's all there is to it. God gave me all of these things, and I just got to bask in the blessings and that type of thing. But I think sometimes we lose track of the fact that God has a purpose for our life. Would you like to find out what the purpose is for your life? Would you like God to speak to you again about that? Why don't you just lift up your hands right now? Now, Sunday morning, we talked about asking, and we shall... We shall receive, seeking, and we shall find. We talked about the fact that we would, you know, pursue God or, or, or knock and it would be opened unto us. I believe tonight that God wants to restore that to somebody here tonight in the name of Jesus. Yeah, the true purpose of what this all means. God, I don't know what Samson looked like, God, but I do know that you give us a clear picture of what you want Christianity to look like in this world. And so help us tonight, God. Help us to adapt that into our lifestyles. Help us, Lord God, to get the world's thinking and understanding out of our hearts and help us to get a clear understanding of what you have for us in the name of Jesus. Because there's enemies that need to be defeated, praise God. There's a spiritual darkness in this world that you've given the church the authority over in the name of Jesus. And God, we can't do that by being lukewarm. We can't do that, Lord God, by being worldly, praise God. We're not going to have any effect on that. But God, if we'll consecrate ourselves again tonight, come on, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place to help us to do that in the name of Jesus. And Father, I give you the praise for this, Lord God. We can learn from Samson. We can learn from what he's doing in the name of Jesus. And I thank Thank you for that, Lord. God, I give you the praise and I give you the glory in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, there's no question about it, folks. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily on, on Samson. There's no question about it. In fact, let me show you what, what we're talking about here. Look at uh, chapter number 14 of Judges. Praise God. And the Bible says, um, 
Uh, again, this is when he's seeking uh, a woman in Timnath, that type of thing. And look at what the Lord did for him, praise God. I'll start reading in verse number 5. It says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother uh, to Timnath, and they came to a, wine, or a vineyard, yards of, of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. Man just came right out of the bush or whatever the case is. And look at this. Look at verse number six. The scripture says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and had nothing in his hands. You know, we call that bare, fi bare fist fighting, praise God. He did that with his bare hands, praise God. That's what God was, was able to help him to do, praise God. And, and so this is what it, what it was. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord came on him mightily. And so there's no question about it. But again, the thing that I see constant with Samson that sometimes I think we struggle with, and I, I'm not trying to become a broken record here tonight, but I see the idea that he just had his, he had his look in the world, that he was just too concerned about, you know, what was going on in the world and that type of thing. And, but yet the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So I don't know if he got to a place where he started thinking, well, man, because God is using me or, or, or putting these kind of giftings in my life, I can just kind of basically do whatever I want in my life. And I don't know about that, but, um, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I think that's a dangerous place to be. I don't want to be that deceived. I think it's good to have the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church on a regular basis. Can somebody say amen? Amen. But I really believe that it has to be, you know, in, in conjunction with the fruit of the Spirit. This is the thing that keeps our head in the game and helps us to, to be as godly as we can. And so hopefully the Lord can help us to, to maintain that in the name of Jesus. And so in the 14th chapter of the book of Judges, we see that happening. Praise God. We see him, you know, kind of having his own agenda, if I can put it that way, you know. And so here he is. He's going to marry this lady. You know, and I don't know if he was trying to impress the, 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 the uh, Philistines or not. But what he did was he came up with a riddle. Remember what that riddle was? I think it mentions it here, you know. And, um, yeah, in verse number 12, the scripture says, And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you. And if you can certainly declare it unto me, it says, Within seven days of the feast and find out, then I will give you 30 sheets um, and, and 30 changes of garment. Now, again, I'm not trying to pick on this guy, but I don't see anywhere in, in that that that's the will of God. I see him playing a game. I see him trying to impress some people. And I see it getting him into trouble on a regular basis, you know. And so we have to be careful with that kind of thinking. And so the scripture says, let me go on here. The Bible says in verse 13, but if thou cannot, cannot declare it to me, then you're going to do that for me. You're going to give me 30 uh, changes of garment. And they said unto him, put forth the riddle that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. They just they couldn't, they, there was no way they could do that. And so what do they do? The Bible says it came to pass in verse 15 that they said unto Samson's wife. Now, oh, watch this. It says, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that which, or take that we have? Is it not so? 
And so Samson's wife plays right along with the game. The scripture says she wept before him and said, Dost thou not, or dost thou hate me, and lovest thou me not? Hast thou, uh, thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it even to my mom or dad. I have not told anybody this. And the scripture says in verse number 7, never underestimate the power of a weeping woman. Because here it is. The scripture says, she wept before him the seven days. And the scripture says, while their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. So do you see what happens here? You know, it comes back in his face, doesn't it? Look at verse number 18. The men of the city said unto him on the seventh day, it says before the sun went down. They probably waited until the last minute. And that scripture says, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than, than, a, than a lion? And he said unto them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, boy, what a, that's kind of a statement to make about your wife, isn't it? It says, you had not found out my riddle. And look at this. This is the thing that kind of really throws me off a little bit. In verse number 19, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew 30 men of them. Yeah, he didn't. He couldn't go to the clothing store and get it. So what he did was he killed 30 people, took their garments, and gave it for, the, for, for, for what, you know, what he was doing. Now listen, folks. Again, if you can tell you, you start thinking that I'm unkind and that type of thing, what does that have to do with the will of God? I ask you, Mr. Invisible Man, what has that got to do with the will of God? Yeah, I don't either. I have no idea. And that's the thing that baffles me about this Samson guy. And I'm not trying to be unkind to him. I'm not saying that God didn't use him. Don't misunderstand me. But it's tragic that this guy couldn't get his eyes off of the world, it seems like. And so this is what we have. We have him being used of God, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him in a mighty way. And I mean to tell you, you know, it's powerful. You, you, can't, you can't doubt that. And so he loses his wife. I mean, his, his family tur gets turned upside down. And I mean to tell you, all kinds of turmoil hit this guy's life. And that's why I'm telling you tonight, I don't know about this guy. You know, there's something about him that just doesn't sit right with me. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, he's a horrible person, but I'm just saying I look at somebody who, who is supposed to be used of God to deliver the children of Israel, and what's he doing? He's messing around with, you know, with different women and that type of stuff. And I, I, I just don't know about that. And here's another thing. In, in chapter number 15, you know, after he loses his wife, he comes back and he wants her back. And the scripture says the father, you know, ends up giving his wife to somebody else. And just says, well, look at the daughter. You know, my younger daughter's pretty and that type of thing. You know, all of this just doesn't sit well with me. It really doesn't. But here you got Samson again, you know, and, and I, I got to believe it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Look at verse number 4 in chapter 15. The scripture says there, and Samson went and caught 300 foxes. Now, we got some men in here tonight that went out and caught some pretty big fish. How, how big was your fish, brother, that you caught? 
55 pounds. My goodness, that thing would pull me right into the water. It really would. Who was another one here that caught a fish? Oh, you did over here. You did. How big was yours? Oh, my good. Did you two have a contest? Okay. How big was his dad's? 89 pounds. That's some pretty big fish, folks. Yeah. I told him he caught Moby Dick. That's, I told him to name that fish. That's what it was. It's no Moby Dick. That's what it was. Man, these guys are awesome fishermen. But do you think, Brian, for a minute you could go out and, and run and chase and catch 300 foxes? Yeah. That'd be quite a deal, wouldn't it? You know? I mean, I'm, I'm talking about catching these. I, I thought to myself as I read this again this week, I'm going, what did he do with those fox after he caught them? I mean, my goodness, he had to have them in a big holding place. And then after he got them in this holding place, he had to get two of them at a time and tie a, a firebrand, which is just a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, dried grass is what it is, and tie it between their two tails. And then he lights it and he, and he, and he throws them towards their crops. Now again, you know, I'm wondering what's going on here? What's, what's, what's the problem here? And again, I'm not trying to read anything into the scripture. I'm just trying to say, I look at somebody here that God wanted to use. You know, an uh, Old Testament superhero. And this superhero couldn't really, in my opinion, get his mind in the game. You know? And that's why we have to be careful with how we look at that. What did Samson look like? You know, and all that kind of business. Well, to me, it doesn't matter what he looked like. It's more important, what did he do? What did he do with the things that God wanted him to do in Jesus' name? And the reason I'm saying all of this is because what this does is this leads us to chapter number 16. Now, I know your study doesn't go into this, but I want to go into it a little bit tonight because this is really the downfall of Sam, Samson. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm probably purposely being a little critical of him in chapters 14 and 15. It's because all of this behavior, in my opinion, leads to his downfall. And it's a tragic thing. It really is, if you think about it. Let's look at the story, okay? Look at chapter number 16. And let's look at this, this story again. And we're talking about Samson. We're talking about someone who, who God, you know, came upon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he was able to do some supernatural things. Can, can you say amen to that? I think, you know, catching an 82-pound fish is a pretty supernatural thing for me. But for somebody to be able to go out there and catch 300 foxes and then strategically light them on fire and destroy the enemy's crop, you know, I don't know if that was the will of God or not. I really don't. All I know is that God wanted to deliver the nation of Israel from you know, from the Philistines. And if you really read the story, you're going to find out that he baffled his brothers and sisters too. In fact, it was the brothers and sisters that went after him. And they took 3,000 of those. And they went to and Samson and said, we're going to bind you, we're going to give you over to the Philistines. It doesn't sound like they had a whole lot of confidence in him, do they? Now, I'm just telling you, this story has a lot of ramifications, and we could talk about this all night. But I want to get into this. The Bible says in chapter 16, look at this. 
The Bible says, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went into her. Again, he's got some women problems. And the Bible says, and it was told, you know, the Gazites saying, Samson has come hither, and they combassed him in, and they laid wait for him all night uh, by the gate of the city, and they're going to get this guy and that type of thing. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, that his strength came back to him, and he was able to, he was able to you know, to debamboose them, if I can put it that way. Well, look at this. The Scripture says, in, in, in verse number three, and Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the gates of an ancient city or not, but we're not talking about a couple of two-by-fours. And some doors that we're used to that, you know, that, that, have, that they don't have any wood on them. We're talking about solid wood here. We're talking about hundreds upon hundreds and hundreds of pounds that this guy was able to lift. And so again, I'm not going to argue the fact that, that, you know, supernatural power came into him. And so, you know, if that's the, all that we're looking for, is all we want to do is become some kind of a superhero for God, I'm going to tell you something. I believe we kind of got the wrong idea. I really do. I think what we need to do is we need to become more like Jesus. We need to look at how he did things in Jesus' name. Well, let's finish, let's finish this up. The Bible says in chapter number, verse, I'm still in chapter number 16 and verse number 6. Um, um, uh, I'm sorry, let me, where, where did I leave off, Sister Carnahan? Okay, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Here we go. Now we're getting to the end game here. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see where is his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. So you see what the deal is? Okay, the scripture says, And Delilah said unto Samson in verse number 6, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And, and Samson begins the trail. You know, here it is. And in verse number 7, Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs, you know, that were never dried. It says, then shall I be weak and be as another man. So he's kind of playing this game with her, isn't he? And the scripture says, then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green widths, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. And they were men lying in wait, abiding, or abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto, the, unto him, the Philistines be upon thee. And, and Samson, and he broke those widths as a, as a thread of tow is broken when it is touched by fire. So his strength was not known. So we see he's still got his strength, doesn't he? He's still got his, his ability, doesn't he? Now, I got, I got enough time here, so we're going to go through this thing in its entirety. Then the scripture says in verse number 10, And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, it says, Wherewith thou mightest be bound. 
And the scripture says, this is the second one. He said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. And so here again, he's playing this game with her. And Delilah in verse number 12, therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber, and he brake them off of his arms like a thread. Look at somebody and say, it sounds like he's still got supernatural strength. Yeah, it sounds that way to me too. Well, the scripture says in verse number 13, Then Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast, hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me, he sa she says, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, now he's getting close. You notice what's happening here. Now he's getting close to the source of his strength, and it's his commitment to God. Now listen, I just want to make the observation here that it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen just all at once, that Samson kept playing these games. And this is something that kind of disturbs me. I don't know what it does for you, but man, this story just doesn't sit well for me. And I'm not trying to be the judge of Samson here. I'm trying to get something out of this story, praise God, that we can learn from. And so the Bible says there that he, he goes a new direction here now. And the Bible says, he says unto her in verse 13, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. Notice this. And I'm not, still not quite exactly what that is. All I know is he, she probably put it up into a bun or something like that. I don't know, you know. But the bottom line is, in verse number 14, look at what happens here. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee? Now, in my opinion, Delilah is a perfect example of the world. In my opinion, that's what she is. She's a villain. She, she has nothing, she has no interest in Samson other than to bring him down. And I want to speak to somebody here tonight, if you'll let of the Holy Ghost right now, that the world isn't your friend. It really isn't. You know, you might think it is, you know, and I'm not going to argue the fact that some, you know, anybody can do good things, but you must understand, you know, the only thing that keeps us saved is to keep our eyes on the things of God. And we see a man named Samson, praise God, that was raised up for a purpose of delivering the children of Israel, praise God. He was raised up for that. Now bear with me, folks, because I'm going to tell you that eventually he did. But it cost him something. And so the scripture says, here she is, the world, Delilah. And she's saying, you know, how can you say that you love me when, thou, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherewith the great strength lieth. And so here she is. And look at verse number 16. I want you to notice this. This is monumental in Samson's life. The scripture says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily. That's the ability that that kind of influence has. And the scripture says, with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Do you notice that? And so the Bible says that he eventually, now I don't know how long this took place, 
It doesn't, I don't know if you see it there, I don't see it there between verses 16 and 17. I don't see how long that took place. All I know is that Samson remained at her side. And the scripture says that eventually his heart was turned. And the Bible says, there hath not come a razor upon mine head. Samson began to tell her. And the scripture says, for I have been an, uh, a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall be become weak and be like any other man. I got that underlined about five times in my Bible. I believe that is worth noting. He said, I'm going to become just like everybody else. And I don't know about you, but maybe, that's, maybe that was your intention before you came to the church. Maybe you just wanted to be like everybody else. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, we all can, you know, probably have times when that kind of a situation was happening in our life. But I hope that through the baptism of the Holy Ghost and through the supernatural power of God coming into your life, that there's a whole brand new purpose, praise God. I don't want to be just like any man in this world. I want to be like, like Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about being God. I'm talking about being like him. And I believe that's what, what we need to notice about Samson. That up to this time, he was different than anybody else. And the reason he was different than anybody else is because of what God did for him. And I want to tell you something else. One of the ways that he was able to keep God in his life, even with that, in my opinion, very rational, stupid behavior, was that he kept that commitment. He kept that commitment. And so the scripture says that when Delilah, and I don't know what the indication was, but in verse number 18, the scripture says that she saw something. Something happened when he started telling her this stuff. And the Bible says that she saw that he had told her all his heart. And so now the plan was, was, was going to be enacted. And the scripture says that she called for the lords of the Philistines saying, Come up this, up this once, for he had showed me all his heart. And the Bible says, Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hands. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. Do you see that? And the Bible says, and she said in verse 20, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Here it goes again. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as as at other times before, and I will shake myself. And it says something here. I want you to notice this in verse 20. And he wist not. You know what that literally means? He didn't realize that he lost his strength. You know, there's another time when that W-I-S-T word is used. And it's a time when Moses came down from, from, from up in the mountain. Remember that? When he went up there and he got, he got the law and that type of thing, and then he went back up. Well, the Bible says that he came back, you know, and his face shone. And it's because he had been in the presence of God for such a long time that it got all over him. And the Bible says that Moses didn't even, he wished not, wished not that, he, that this was happening to him. 
And so you got to understand with Samson here, he didn't realize that the Lord had departed from him. And look at immediately what happens in verse 21. It says, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, Gaza and bound him with feathers of brass and he did grind in the prison house. You know what the, what the moral of this story is, folks, in a nutshell? I wrote this in my Bible years ago. is the fact that sin will eventually blind us. It will bind us. And then it will grind us. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. Now, I'm talking about somebody who, when we read this story, we think is a superhero. I hope that kind of changes our mind right now. I hope that it begins to help us to look at things just a little bit differently. Listen to me, folks. I think it's more important to obey God than to sacrifice. I think it's more important for us to listen to the commitments that God has put in our life because he wants to keep us safe and he wants to help us to make an effect in this world. Can somebody say amen? I think we can learn a truckload, praise God, a truckload from, this, from Bible studies like this. Now, I'm glad, and I'm sure that many of you are too, that this isn't the end of the story. But you must understand that his rational, you know, fly off the seat of his pants, whatever you want to call it, behavior, got him into a whole lot of trouble, didn't it? It eventually got him to a place where he lost the things of God. But aren't you glad that we serve a merciful God? Now, I don't know how long he had to go at this, but the Bible says, you know, um, in verse 22, it says, Howbeit the hair on his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And the, the Bible says they had a feast. Look at verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice for they said our God hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hands. Now it was supposed to be the other way around. But this is what you're seeing here. And the scripture says, And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And the scripture says in verse 25, And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson. Man, we're going to have a great time. And it says that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport and they set him between two pillars and the scripture says and Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth that I may lean upon them now the house was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there and they were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport and the scripture says and Samson called upon the Lord and and say, O oh Lord God, remember me. He said, I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O oh God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And the scripture says, And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up on of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. 
And so the Bible says, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtetol in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. I'm going to tell you something. The guy had to die, praise God, for the power of God to come back into his life. I want us to stand tonight. I, I'm not going to try to explain all of this. I just felt like from the Lord today and yesterday as I was studying this that God wanted me to present this scenario to you. And I believe that in the name of Jesus, it can speak to some of us, praise God. I believe that the Lord wants to help us. He wants us to be mighty. He wants to use us, praise God. But I believe that God wants us to keep that commitment, praise God, that we give unto him. And he wants us to recognize that the world is still out there trying to lurk and trying to lure us in, in Jesus' name. I got a feeling that there's some of you that you've had some trouble in this area the last few months. And I'm here to tell you tonight, God wants to restore the strength that he gave to you when you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost back into your life, in Jesus' name. Let's begin to lift up our hands right now. Let's begin to call upon the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to help us with this, in the name of Jesus. Come on, I believe that God can give us can give us strength, praise God. He can help us, amen, to have, have, a, have a witness. He can help us, Lord, to reach people in the name of Jesus like never before.